0: Matthew chapter 28, and I'll read for us uh, from verses 16 to 20. Let me read for us. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, to the very end of the age. And uh, the second Bible reading for this afternoon is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and the cloud hid them from their sight. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, goodness me. So kids, if you will follow one of our kids' volunteers, Uncle David and Auntie Laura, they'll take you to Inner West Kids. And let me pray for them uh, as they go and for us and uh, for Pete as we hear the word preached. Father, we thank you that you're a God who has made himself known. Through your son Jesus, we know that you have loved us and have been on mission to us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and his power at work even now. We pray for our kids, that they would know the work of your spirit, that you would enliven and inflame their hearts with love for Jesus. And Lord, do that the same uh, for us too. Give us hope and faith and trust in Jesus so that we will serve him and his mission in this world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Oh, so good. I don't think they can get much louder, actually. So that says something. Uh, Uh... Wonderful to be with you, friends and family. We are at the end now of our series on our commitments as a church. I hope it's been helpful to you as we've, um, yeah, trying to uh, present some, some clarity about you know, who we are as a church and what we're committed to and what our life looks like together. And particularly um, for the next few years as we uh, look to uh, uh, working out our strategy and our plan to be God's people in the inner west of melbourne uh so this is our last one and i'm going to be our last two commitments um seven and eight uh on mission and church planning uh largely in the sermon i'm going to be focusing on mission our local mission um and then afterwards we've got a very special treat and we're going to talk about church planting uh so let me pray for us we'll jump in now father thank you for your word Uh, Thank you that it shows us who you are and what you're doing in the world, what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do on the last day in Christ Jesus. Help us, Father, to be lifted up into your vision and your mission for the world and what it looks like for us to participate as you reconcile all things to yourself. Amen. Uh, Well, you can't read the Bible for very long, before you pick up this idea that God is a missional God, uh, God has, in other words, a purpose for the world. And you can't around, hang around churches and Christians for very long before you get the sense that Christians should be missional too. That in some way, God invites his people to participate in his mission. We have a mission. And as a church, uh, from the very beginning of our life, we have uh, tried to prioritize mission. We've never been content to allow it to be relegated to the margins of our life together or for it to be only for some extra special, particularly zealous Christians in our community. We have always believed, actually, that mission is for the whole church. The mission of God's people is for all of God's people. Everyone has a role to play. We are all in it together. And we found, actually, that in the context of a community on mission, a church on mission, actually sharing our faith and experience Doing evangelism and explaining the gospel and exhibiting the gospel in all of life has is far more enjoyable and far more achievable than many have experienced um, in their lives as Christians. And that's been a joy to see people step into their missional identity over the years. Uh, mission, as I said, is the... Uh, describes the last two of our commitments, our commitment to local mission and our commitment to mission to the city for church planting. Uh, but that's not to say that they are the, most, the least important of our commitments. Being last doesn't mean that they are least, actually. Um, mission, though, is, is central to our church life. But they're last and the less because mission is only sustainable if it flows out of our prior commitments to the Bible, to the gospel, to our discipleship to Jesus, to our commitment to community and church family, to generosity, to prayer. All of those commitments actually flow through into our commitment to mission. Mission is an overflow of who we are. So today, um, I want us to learn why we prioritize and commit to being a missional church of missional communities, actually planting missional churches. Uh, I want to look at three things. Uh, What is the mission? What is our mission? Second, what is our missional practice? What does it look like? And three, where do we get our missional power? So uh, our definition of mission, our missional practice, and our missional power. Uh, First of all, what is our mission? Uh, Well, in the Blues Brothers movie, Jake and Elwood Blues used the classic phrase, we're on a mission from God to basically justify legitimately insane behavior. Uh, We try not to do that, actually. We try to use uh, the mission of God and our mission from God in more positive and constructive ways. Uh, But surprisingly, actually, in our culture, both in and outside the church, a lot of people would struggle to be super clear on what the mission of God actually is and what our mission from God actually is. I want to try and provide some clarity. But as I do, I realise that I am wading into... Uh, uncertain waters, because Christians disagree on this, okay? So I'm going to provide what I think, my point of view, uh, but you may disagree with me, and that's okay, because I believe that actually, largely, um, as we pursue God's mission together, even if we disagree a little bit, we'll probably end up with some of the same results. But for the sake of clarity, as we as this commitment series, I'm going to try and uh, go a bit, uh, uh, be a bit more defined about what I'm talking about. So... What is the mission of God, first of all? Well, actually, this is pretty easy and less controversial. Uh, The mission of God, as we know from the Scriptures, is the absolute and total renewal and redemption and restoration of all things in heaven and on earth, in Christ, for Christ, and through Christ. That is the mission of God. Nothing less than the total defeat, eradication, and removal of evil, sin, and death from this world. That is the mission of God. Totally breathtaking in its scope. From, and it pervades the Scriptures from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. It is all through it. That's the mission of God. So, what then is the mission of God's people? Is Are they the same thing? Are they different? Are they related? Well, it's important to try and define this because um, how we define our mission will inform how we go about it and what we should expect from it. As I said, godly, Bible-believing Christians disagree on precisely what the mission is, and um, you can actually plot that disagreement on a bit of a spectrum. So I've got a slide here. Uh, On one end of the spectrum is mission is good words, okay? Or put it another way, mission is evangelism. That very specific task of introducing a person to the Christian faith, largely through discussion and persuasion, that's evangelism. Now, uh, already some of you are cringing because you imagine, as you hear that word, uh, a kind of Bible-bashing fundamentalists using this barrage of words to cajole someone into belief. And at its worst, it can be exactly that, actually. But at its best, evangelism is winsomely introducing someone to the beauty and truth of Jesus through words, yes, through images, through arguments, supporting the testimony of Scripture, done in love, done patiently, done graciously. Jesus is the Word of God. It requires words to introduce someone to Him. Now, on the other end of the spectrum is mission is not good words, but good deeds, The best way to be on mission at this end of the spectrum is to not so much declare the gospel, but demonstrate the gospel by being people who live like Jesus lived, serving the poor and marginalized, being compassionate and kind, being accepting and loving, being good stewards of creation, working for justice and dignity of others. You know, there's an old saying, um, you know, preach Christ, if necessary... Use words. you heard that before? By St. Francis of Assisi. Definitely didn't say it, by the way. Sorry to say that. I'm not sure who said it, but it wasn't him. Uh, and I kind of get it, right? I get it that um, a Christian faith without that good deeds that back that up, that's a, that's a, there's a lack of integrity there, right? But push down the end of the spectrum. Sometimes a mission can be reduced down to just doing good stuff. Because in our day and age, it's culturally offensive to try and persuade anyone of anything. But at its best, good deeds adorn the gospel, to use some language from 1 Peter and Titus. Good deeds show that the gospel is not just a good idea, but good news. It has the power to transform lives, not just inform minds. Christian faith makes an actual, discernible, positive difference in the world. Now, um, very few Christians argue that mission is either extreme, just good deeds or just good words. Um, all of us probably find us somewhere in the middle, <laughs> maybe down a little bit down one end of the spectrum or the other. And most people, I think, get that mission has to include both good deeds and good words. Next question then is, what is the relationship between the two? Uh, there is a strain of thinking that God's mission and our mission are kind of the same thing. In other words, God's mission is to restore the world fully and completely in Christ Jesus, right? Uh and he does invite us to participate in that mission. Uh, there is a strain of thinking which says that God's mission is our mission. His goal is our goal. Therefore, as we particularly do good deeds, do justice, do compassion, do kindness, do mercy, do love, we are bringing about the restoration of all things. And maybe, yeah, Jesus has to return at the end and kind of mop up a few extra details. But largely, we can get there. The church can raise our banner and plan us if we can just get our act together long enough, then we, could, we, we can achieve it. The problem is that um, although there have been moments in church history and with the world, history of the world where justice has kind of flowed like a river, things have looked really good for a while, the cycles of sin and evil and death interrupt it. So the problem seems that that sin runs so deep, evil is so pervasive, and death is so ever-present that if your goal in mission is to see the world restored, you end up feeling bummed out and burned out, because you can't live up to your own desires to live that good a life, and the people around you aren't living up to that desire either. So I want to suggest that actually maybe our mission and God's mission are related, intrinsically connected, but not quite the same. I think God's mission is to restore the world. And He alone has the power, the wisdom and perspective to accomplish that. It is not actually our mission to restore the world. And yet, I do believe that God invites us to participate in His mission but maybe less by contr- contributing to it, and much more by bearing witness to it. Uh, I don't know if it actually happens in real life, but in, you know, in TV shows you see um, primary schools having career days where parents are invited in to talk about their jobs. Does that actually happen in primary schools? I'm looking at our teachers here. No. I didn't think so. I figured it was just a sitcom thing, because I just can't imagine that happening. But anyway, it happens in sitcoms. Let's assume it happens in real life somewhere. Uh, And, you know, the the kids come in, they bring their parents and, you know... um each, each kid proudly gets up and and gets up and and talks about what their mom or dad do, does you know my mom's an engineer my dad's a biologist my parents own a restaurant and maybe they bring in some show and tell and they talk about it and the kids as proud as punch just looking and go wow look at what my parents do and how they contribute and isn't, and the other kids are inspired maybe yes maybe oh, i want to own a restaurant one day and um the kids uh help to uh, showcase what their parents are doing um, as a way of celebrating what they're doing actually and maybe inspiring others that, that could, they could be part of that too. In other words, they're witnessing, testifying to something that their, their parents are doing. That's really great. It's really interesting then that the Bible constantly uses the term witness to describe the mission of God's people. Uh, The prophet Isaiah said that Israel was a witness of who God is and what he had done. And Jesus takes up the language himself in in Acts chapter 1, just before he ascends to heaven, says, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Witnesses uh, don't actually do the work. They point to the one who has done and is doing the work. Witnesses proclaim the gospel of redemption with persuasive and winsome words. And witnesses portray the gospel of restoration with deeds of love and justice, lived out of transformed lives and increasingly like Jesus. Witnesses in word and deed are are signposts, foretastes pointing the way to Jesus. I think in a a very central way, our mission is to point to God's mission. Our mission is to point to the one who can and will achieve the restoration and redemption and reconciliation of all things. Now, someone will say, well, Pete, does that mean that we only do good deeds as kind of like means to an evangelistic end? Are we the, the religious equivalent of Thermomix consultants? You know, the ones come to your house and demonstrate this $3,000 machine that may blow up and kill you but probably won't in the hope that you'll buy it at the end and people do in droves and then they become Thermomix consultants and so on and so forth. Apologies to for any Thermomix consultants in the room um, or power to your arm. Uh, th- is that is that what we are? <laughs> well kind of yes in some ways, right? Because Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. So yeah, our our deeds are a witness. They, They are meant to demonstrate that the gospel is good news and actually makes a difference to life. But you know what? It's also just good to be good. As people... Um, who know that we have been res- are being restored as God's image bearers? We ought to treat other images and treat this world with love and dignity and compassion. Loving our neighbors without any sense of manipulation, any sense of wringing your arm, any sense of false pretenses. Of course, uh, we are. We have a mission we're going to see to make disciples, we also have a vocation to be God's image bearers, bringing order into chaos. In this way, uh, the church becomes one way that God pours out his common grace into the world. The Spirit restoring us, it urges us to live out of our identity, to be a blessing to the world, to bring light into darkness. And so, as the writer of Hebrews urges us, we should spur each other on to love and good deeds, because by them we become conduits of, love, of God's gracious blessing, and by them we point to the one who will one day flood the world with blessings untold. As uh, one writer, Stefan Pass, says, we have to keep stressing where the heart, the magnetic pole of mission lies, it lies in testifying about God's news in Jesus Christ. As much as it's good to do good, we have not really been faithful to the mission unless we point past the good that we do to the best that God has done. Because our mission in the end is not social programs. Our mission is people who are lost, people who need a saviour, People who, regardless of their life circumstances, whether they're doing well or badly, whether they're rich or poor, need a relationship with Jesus. It's not surprising then that Jesus gives this charge to his disciples. In the famous Great Commission... Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. If you've got a Bible, make sure you open to 28, and I'm going to explore in those verses um, not just the what of mission here, but actually the how, because Jesus gives us a sense of what it will look like for us to form a missional practice. Now, the question of how we do mission could fill a thousand books, and and has, or probably fill a thousand more by the end of this year. Um, But Matthew 28 gives us a good starting point, uh, because it tells us the mode, the focus, and the basis for mission. Um, Verse 28 actually uh, starts with the word, go. In the original language, the first word there is, Go. The command. Now, for the first disciples, standing on that mountain with Jesus about to ascend, it was literal. <laughs> they had to go. Well, other, otherwise they'd be like just standing there for a long time. had to go somewhere. So, that literally, the command is go. They had to get off the mountainside. They had to go down into Jerusalem. They had to then preach and proclaim the gospel there, and then go to Judea, and then go to Samaria, and then go to the rest of the Roman Empire. Then go to North Africa, then go to, to, to Britain, go to France, go eventually to Melbourne. For most of us, though, go will not be necessarily about relocation. For most of us, go will be less about travel and more about an attitude. Going on missions means seeing our whole lives as living witnesses to Jesus when you step uh, your foot out the front door, when you interact with anyone, when you log on to social media, when you make, maintain, and grow friendships, when you apply yourself to your study, to your work, to the administration of your life. Go means living your whole life in a missional mode. Seeing every opportunity through a missional lens, because you are constantly on display as a work of God, whether you like it or not. (laughs) The question then is not whether you're a a sign, a display of God's work, but whether you will be an effective one, whether you will be a proper one. The mode of mission can then be described in four ways. First of all, it means we're intentional. We take as many opportunities as possible to witness to Christ and how we proclaim and portray the gospel. We're intentional. Second, we're persistent. Mission is a long game, it involves long years of building friendships and love and trust. We're persistent. Thirdly, we're loving. We never make people into projects but simply express our love for them by making sure that they know what is most important to us just as much as we serve them practically. We're intentional, we are persistent, we are loving, and finally we're together. We're never designed to be lone ranger missionaries, whether abroad or at home, off by ourselves trying to be a trying to be a faithful witness. No, God has designed his church to be a community on mission. We shine our light as much as we shine our lights. We shine our light as a community as much as we shine our lights as individuals. And Jesus said, actually, it's by our love for each other that um, others will be drawn towards the one who first loved us. So mission is the responsibility of the whole body of Christ working together with every member using their gifts, evangelists to speak, teachers to train, the merciful to come alongside, the welcomers to create safe spaces, the servants to feel practical needs, and every other gift you can imagine. That's why as a church we are committed to missional communities. To organize, uh, organizing ourselves into small groups of people, families of disciples on mission. Because we go as a team, we go together, we help each other. We love each other's neighbors, we love each other's friends, we love those God puts in front of us. We love them by serving them, we love them by introducing them to Jesus. We love them by letting them into our lives of love. That's the mode of of our mission. Uh, Secondly, um, what's the focus? Jesus says, we go, go, make disciples. Really interesting there. Make disciples, not make converts. The the goal, actually, was never to just get people across the line, get them to say a prayer and have a baptism, actually. No, it's far more long-ranging. It's far more holistic than that. The goal of mission is nothing less than fully formed disciples of Jesus, mature Christians. Jesus says, uh, make disciples by baptizing them and teaching them all I have commanded. Baptism, in a way, is kind of like crossing the starting line of the race. Following Jesus' teachings is the race itself. Discipleship is is not just bringing someone to the point of starting the race, it's actually walking along, running alongside them as they run the race. The focus of mission is to come alongside and help people run, just as someone else is hopefully running alongside you and helping you run. In other words, we are disciples who make disciples who make disciples, who make disciples. Jesus in no way suggests that this commission is just for paid ministry leaders or super evangelists. Actually, it's for Christians of all descriptions. Not that we do this alone, but we do it together. So a question for everyone is really, who is running alongside you and who are you running alongside? Are you helping lead someone towards starting the race? Are you helping form someone as they run the race? Actually, if you're in a mission community or a gospel group right now, the, the answer probably is yes. i want to encourage us. By the way, uh, this is not to say that introducing people to Jesus' teachings happens entirely after kind of conversion and baptism. It's not like, hey, welcome, you're a Christian now, and now we'll teach you everything that you need to know. (laughs) It's often the case, actually, that people spend years in Christian community learning and testing the Bible's claims, even beginning to try out the practices of faith long before they actually make a commitment to Jesus. Mission and discipleship are the ingredients of the same meal, not one course followed by another course. And again, this is why missional communities are so necessary for our context, in our context um, for our mission. Because if the mission is to make disciples, and if discipleship is about following Jesus in all of life, then disciples must be made in the context of a community that opens life up to each other. A family of men and women, boys and girls who are running the race together, coming alongside each other, no matter at what point they find themselves. Now, even though we believe um, mutual communities and, and, and common mission, shared mission together makes it far more achievable and enjoyable, doesn't mean that there isn't lots of challenges. We do need good structures. And we work hard at that. But more than that, we need a great gospel. So what's the basis for our missional practice? Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go and make disciples. And then at the end, And surely I am with you to always to the very end of the age. Jesus Christ alone holds in his hand all authority over salvation. He alone can change people's hearts and bring people spiritually back from the dead. He alone can transform people's lives and grow them to be like him. Jesus Christ alone has the power to save and he far more than all of us has the desire to save. The cross is proof of that. Mission is costly, it is risky, and it takes us out of our comfort zone. Mission always includes failure. Mission always includes failings. And it means grief when people we love don't respond the way we hoped that they would. And this is doable. These these risks and these costs, we are able to take them because Jesus says, go, but not alone. He says, Go, but I'll go with you. He says, Go, but I have the authority. And so that means that we can go with confidence confidence to be the best witnesses we can be while leaving the ultimate results in Christ's capable hands. If the salvation of souls was up to us, (laughs) we'd be crushed. That's not. Salvation rests on the shoulders of the only one who is not crushed, the only one who has borne the weight of the sin of the world and can, and continues to. So we can go confidently, we can go about fear, and even failure in God's grace and mercy is only a way he draws us close to himself and helps us to share and experience his love and grace and grow us in dependence on Him. But of course, our confidence does not give cause for foolishness. Lots of people have a great zeal for mission, but end up using methods that are unhelpful, not very constructive, even unwise. But actually, our confidence should mean that we are both far bolder than we would otherwise be. And far more loving, gracious, and patient than we would otherwise be, because the results of the mission are in Christ's hands. We neither need to force it, nor neither do we need to fear it. And so, here's the thing: Um, if you've been a Christian for a little while, I I hope you kind of know this. (laughs) You know that you have the the power of the Spirit with you. You know that Christ goes with you and goes with us, and you know that Christ has ultimate authority. We know this as a church, and we've known it for a long time, so I want to encourage us that I think we are a missional church. Uh, We have worked hard to adopt a missional posture to life, both as individuals, as missional communities, Um, and God has brought the fruit to our faithfulness. Praise Him. And particularly in the past two years, we've seen people start, continue, and even uh, come to the point of, um, of baptism in the journey of faith. We, and all of us continue to grow in our discipleship. God has been on mission to us. <laughs> Praise God. And yet, of course, we still have a long way to grow. Lots of fears to overcome, lots of selfishness to deal with, lots of distractions to steer away from. I know I do. So what will help us proclaim the gospel more boldly and portray the gospel more clearly? What will help us overcome our fears, our selfishness, our pride? What will help us overcome the obstacles to our mission? We don't need better than just good missional practices. We need a great missional power. We need a greater sense, I think, that long before God sends us on mission, He was on mission to us. Long before Jesus said, Go to his disciples, God said, Go to Jesus. And Jesus said, I will. And Jesus went willingly, confidently, lovingly, graciously, persistently. Jesus went on mission to us. He came to this world and proclaimed the gospel. He spoke of God's salvation, he pointed to God's mission although some did not believe. He came and portrayed the gospel. He pointed to God's commitment to justice and restoration in how he treated people, in his miracles, although some mocked. Jesus came and demonstrated the heart of mission. James Shearer wrote that the heart of mission is always making the gospel known where it would not be known without a special and costly act of boundary-crossing witness. The first step of mission is always proclaiming the heart of mission to ourselves grasping more deeply the depth of God's mercy that long before he sent us on mission he went on mission to us he crossed every boundary he traversed every distance he overcame every obstacle paid every cost made every sacrifice to witness to us of God's salvation mission is powered i think by us by us grasping more deeply the height, the breadth, the width, and the depth of God's love to us in Jesus. To the extent that we grasp that will be the extent to which we love those that God calls us to reach. Family, if if you're a Christian here today, um, you are here because of God's mission. You are saved because of God's mission. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you're still here today because of God's mission, I believe, it because God has drawn you here today to hear these words. And today we have an opportunity to recommit, to respond by committing or recommitting to Jesus and recommitting or committing to Jesus' mission. Friends, we are all in this together. Let's continue to run the race alongside each other. And in God's great providence, Perhaps others will be drawn alongside us as we shine as lights in the world. This is our commitment paragraph, one of the, number seven. We are committed to proclaiming and portraying the gospel in our neighbourhood. Just as Jesus was sent to reach us, so we are in turn sent by the Holy Spirit as witnesses of God's love to proclaim and portray the gospel to others in word and deed, participating in God's work of reconciliation. We are committed to living out our mission locally, intentionally building missional relationships with the full diversity of people who call our neighbourhoods home. I hope we can all commit to that today anew. Uh, I'm going to pray, and um, if you've got some questions, um, you can send them through to Slido. The number will be back up on the screen, I believe, Um, and I'll come up in a few minutes and hopefully can answer some. Uh, Father, we ask that you would give us such a clear view of how your mission is greater and grander than we could ever imagine. It includes the whole world, the whole universe, and it has come to us to bring us into salvation. So, Lord, send us out as your witnesses to proclaim and portray the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in our whole lives. And may you bring fruit to our efforts, Lord, as we point people to you. Amen. On, on? Yes? Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, should I be worried if I've never actually explicitly led someone to Christ? Have I failed? I, I, I think that this is such a common thing to think. Uh, I thought it myself for a long time. Um, let me try and unpack this a little bit. Uh, I think that it is not... Uh, Let me me back up a little bit. I talked about how I think the mission of God is fulfilled by the church, which means that, and if the church is made up of many members with different gifts, then we should be using how God has wired us to be on mission together. There are some people with the gift of evangelism. Paul says it himself, right? In other words, there are some people who have a very unique ability to to explain and expound the Christian faith in such a way that it is attractive and and brings people to a point of commitment, right? There are some people who can do that and who God has uniquely gifted to them. That is not all people, actually. So I don't think you have failed at all in any way if you've never explicitly led someone to Christ. However, you need to still be a witness according to how God has uniquely wired you. So it w- I think it would be an issue if uh, if, your, um, if your friends and family members who aren't Christians didn't know anything about your faith because you've never opened up to them about it. Not in, in terms of trying to convince them, actually, but just explain to them why it is that you believe some of the things you believe or why, how it impacts your life or why, why it would um, uh, form your decision-making. I think uh, uh, at the very basic level of evangelism, kind of little e, uh, we're just meant to open our lives to people and be vulnerable and clear that we're followers of Jesus and we put him first. That won't necessarily mean it might that you would necessarily be in a position to explicitly lead someone, like sit with them and say the prayer or something like that. Actually, that takes a community. Because it might be that actually what you're really good at is a gift of... Um, of mercy. You walk with people. You sit down with them. You share their burdens. You share their suffering. You offer prayer and support. And it might be that that's actually how you witness. It might be that actually you need to, um, in the context of community, have someone else come alongside them and say, hey, maybe you could come and do an Alpha course with us. Uh, that's what Alpha is for, by the way. It's It's a tool to try and help bring uh, people um, is, is to try and help do some of that work of big E evangelism to introduce, introduce people to the to the actual um, uh, tenets of the faith in a really structured and persuasive and winsome way so I don't think you should be worried but you should consider how are you being a faithful witness in your context with your gifts and your unique wiring and are you doing it with other people that would be the question to ask so I hope that's helpful. Uh, Saskia, can you, Pete, can you elaborate a bit more on how you see God's mission being accomplished? Example, through God's people, through all people, through divine acts alone. Okay, so I think that um, the, the mission of God to restore all things through Christ, in Christ, and by Christ is, um, is, is largely outside of our, above our pay grade. I don't think God will accomplish that Necessarily through our specific actions of people, although again, people will just agree with me on this, and I think that's okay. Um, I think instead, what God, how God uses us, is mission to people. God still changes hearts. God converts people. We don't convert people, but we, he does use us to be his light. And and his and um and to come alongside, we and introduce them to Jesus, and hopefully maybe through relationship and time, bring them to faith. Um. Romans 8 says, actually, that the, all of creation is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Creation is waiting for us to be restored before it can be restored. So I think there's two different things going on there. God's mission to people is accomplished through us, yes. God's mission to restore all things under and through and by Christ um, is largely happening despite us, actually. Again, you can disagree. That's okay. Okay. Um, uh keep on going here. Ooh, there's more coming in, sorry. Often in mission or evangelism, I can feel like I'm going it alone. How can I be more conscious of Jesus' presence as he promised? Great question. Um, on an individual kind of level, um, we can just be, bring it to mind more. As you walk out your doorstep, a great prayer to pray is, God, your spirit goes with me today. Give me opportunities and help me speak and live according to your word. I knew a, a guy who, um, who just prayed that every day. The, the, the split second before he left the house, God opened up amazing things to him. Um, so that's on an individual, on an individual level. Uh, in terms of are you going it alone, you shouldn't go it alone. That's what a missional community is for. Brothers and sisters, to walk alongside you, to bear those burdens, to pray with you for your friends that become their friends, your neighbours that become their neighbours, um, and to help you do it together. Uh, if you're in a missional community, then that is the, uh, what we try to do. Um, and you can talk to your missional community leaders more about that or your group. Or if you're not in one, uh, this is a great opportunity to join one. You can come talk to me about that. Uh, If both evangelism and discipleship are part of mission is even more important, should we all do both or should we do more or less depending on our gifting? Uh, I think it's important probably to see um, that evangelism is a subset of discipleship. Um, Speaking good words to people is part of discipling others. Um, And uh, yeah, as as I said before, depending on your gifting. For some people, uh, words come easily. And you can describe things really well, but we're all called to speak, actually. Um, uh, Paul says to uh, Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. doesn't say he has the gift of evangelists, do the work of one. In other words, yeah, be be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. Absolutely. Um, It's a subset of discipleship, and it can be as simple as an encouraging word. It can be as simple as a promise to pray for someone. It can be as simple as saying, hey, you know what? Um God is with you, God is for you, God loves you um uh it can be it doesn't have to be a some sort of amazing apologetic argument it's often just words from the heart a uh, field of love for someone uh, anything else okay I know there's some other ones there. I might leave it. I think I've probably somewhat answered some of the other ones too, and I want to leave room for what's happening next. Uh, As I said, we have two final commitments. One is for mission. One is for church planting. Uh, Our Church planting, um, uh, if you go to the next um, bit there, Tim, you can see our commitment to church planting. In West Church was planted out of the generosity of St. Jude's Church, Carlton, and has a heart to see other churches established in Melbourne and particularly in the western suburbs. We are committed to continuing to help plant churches in order that as many as possible would have the opportunity to encounter Jesus and experience the life and hope that comes from knowing and trusting Him. We are a church plant. We would love to plant more churches. Why do we do it? We do it so that more and more people in Melbourne can have access to the gospel. More and more people can have access to the gospel. The western suburbs needs more churches. We are committed to that. Uh, John... Tran and Blessy, Tran and Joel and Micah have been with us for two years, more than that now. Um, Two years, John is a resident um, looking to plant a church in Kenley in the western suburbs that has now become Grasslands Church and we're excited to see them um, working towards a launch next year. Um, Because of what we're talking about today, I invite John to come up and just share what's been going on and encourage us so that we can encourage him and Blessy in what they're doing. So John, come on up. And a welcome to those who are visiting from uh, John Blessie's um, launch team and core group as well, Mission Community,
0: sharing it today. Hey, church family. Um, this is a special moment, I feel like. Uh, I feel like because of COVID and all that, it made it a bit hard to keep you all involved and a part of the journey, but um, I'm really grateful that we get to share this moment now. Um, In so many ways, uh, this community and this church and each of you have been an answer to our prayers. Um, So in 2018, we uh, felt called and led uh, out of the context that we were serving in and um, left not knowing where God would lead us. We prayed that we would be able to find a place Uh, that would share similar values to us around the gospel, around hospitality and mission. We prayed that there might be an opportunity for um, me in particular to serve and to be trained and equipped and sent out. Uh, And we prayed for family, brothers and sisters to come alongside us for that journey. And you're all the answer to that prayer. God's been really good. Uh, End of 2018, I stood outside Coles, and I was crying, similar to now, because across the way was an apartment building that you can't see a photo of there. And I realized that there were about 1,500 people moving into that block. And I felt the Spirit of God nudge me and say, "Um, who's going to tell them about Jesus? And the only a place or community of faith in our neighborhood is this huge uh, Buddhist temple slash seminary that's right on the most prominent corner in our neighborhood. Um, And so uh, maybe full of faith, maybe reluctantly, I said to God, "Um, if you send me, I'll go. And here we are, (laughs) a few few years down the road. It's been an incredible journey. Um, When we joined... um, Well, before we joined Inner West, um, I started catching up with Pete, asking him about hospitality, missional communities and that sort of thing. And um, I think we're on to maybe about our third coffee um, when Pete finally got frustrated with me because he's just such a patient man. And he said, look, we can talk about this all you want, but you need to just join a missional community and experience it for yourself. So I did. Um, Here's a photo of our first missional community that we were a part of. And um, we were so blessed by you, and we were so encouraged to see a group of very different people in very different stages of life love each other as a spiritual family. Uh, And God taught us a great deal about what it means to be a spiritual family together. Uh, And so in 2020, In February, we launched our own missional community. We were commissioned by you all, and you prayed for us, and you sent us out. Um, And this is what it looks like at the end of 2021, uh, our little missional community there. And God was really good, and sent people along, um, and answered prayer. And now um, we're at a stage where we're starting to gather a launch team, and God has been working in us, and really... um, Clarifying, I suppose, like, what it means for us to be his people on mission in Kenley and for the Grasslands area. Uh, and so here's a, a little vision statement uh, for us. Um, and this is pretty much what drives us and what inspires us to work, right? Like, for there to be a missional community within walking distance of every man, woman, and child in the Grasslands ward of Brimbank. Uh it's pretty out there, and pretty much, unless God moves, this will not happen, because here's a breakdown of the Grasslands Ward. Um, in the Grasslands Ward of Brimbank, so Brimbank's broken up, it's that kind of like yellowish highlighted area. That's the city of Brimbank, and that little um, Taka area within, that's the Grasslands Ward. So it encompasses half of St. Albans, uh, Canley, Kings Park, Deer Park, and Auburn Vale. And in this area, there are 50, let's call it 59,000 people, Um, 52% of them were born overseas, um, and there are three Protestant churches in that area. Three. (laughs) And by God's grace, maybe next year there'll be four. But that's really our heartbeat, is for there to be a missional community within walking distance of every man, woman, and child in this ward. And so, maybe God will answer our prayer, and maybe He will do it for His glory, Um, and we're crazy enough to believe that he is at work in the world and willing to work through people to accomplish his purposes. Um, so where to from here? Um, we have been having info nights and inviting people who are interested to hear more. Just, uh, it's mostly been through personal connections and word of mouth. Um, and we've started to gather a launch team. And by God's grace, um, I've been praying for 12. And at the moment, we've got seven adults committed. Um, so there's still some more people to gather there. Uh, and we're hoping that by the end of uh, this month, we will have our first launch team meeting, which I'm really excited to do. And the launch team is really just going to be uh, focused on building a gospel culture, discipling and growing as disciples uh, through gospel clarity, um, gospel renewal, experiencing that in our own lives, and then building around um, our little community some gospel rhythms. And we're hoping that from that place in the next six to nine months that we'll be able able to um, launch a public worship service um, and launch Grasslands Church. So that's, I guess, in a nutshell where we are at now. But I think more importantly than that, what we're seeing is that um, God is bringing along um, Christians and non-Christians into contact with our little community. Uh, We're finding that there are those people of peace who are hungry and who are thirsty for community, for belonging, for meaning in their lives. We're finding people are really isolated and alone uh, and really happy just to have a friend. And we're also finding that um, the witness of being God's family together and loving one another is something that is actually powerful. That when people see um, Graham up the back here playing with my kids at the park that's something unusual and it ought to be because what God and does through the gospel is special in making us a spiritual family um, and so we're really uh, full of faith, really encouraged that God answers prayer Um, and so we are really looking forward to the months to come. Um, The ministry team has been so encouraging in terms of um, sowing and investing into me and to our family. Um, The church council has been so supportive and really given a lot of wisdom and support in, in a lot of things that I have no idea about, like governance and finance and other things like that. But this is the gift of being a part of God's body, is that there are people who... do things that I have nothing, uh, no idea about. There are people who can come alongside us to encourage us when we're discouraged and afraid and insecure. Um, And there are people willing to go alongside with us to reach uh, the grasslands ward with the good news of Jesus. Um, So that's in in brief where we're at, um, gathering this launch team, praying a lot um, and hoping to see God do something incredible where we are. We're so grateful for you, church, each of you, seriously. Um, And bless you, would have more to say, but she doesn't want it right now. But can I pray and give thanks to God for his amazing work and his amazing mission to us? Father, thank you so much for your great love for us. Thank you that You showed that in your son, Jesus. And we pray that we would know the depth and the breadth and the width and the height of this love that you have for us. And that might be something that transforms us and changes us. Thank you that you've made us new creations. That we are now a spiritual family. That we are disciples. That you've called us to follow you. And you have made us your witnesses. And so give us great confidence, not in what we can do, but in what you have done and what you will ultimately do. Thank you, God, that you are faithful to bring to completion the work that you have begun. And so we rest in your faithfulness, and we go with all of the strength that you give. Thank you for this family, for the way in which you've answered our prayers through each and every one of these people here. Thank you for their generous hearts in caring for our family, in um, giving financially to to free us up to be able to be on mission locally. And thank you that we continue to see your grace and your presence here in these people. And so, Father, we look to you, we give you glory, and we thank you for everything that is ours in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.